Welcome, travelers. We're aware that your journey was difficult, but prepare to have your questions answered, for you have been granted an audience with the Masters of Modern. And welcome back to Masters of Modern. I am your host, Alex Kessler, here with my co-host, Ben Bateman. What's up, everybody? How's it going? Today we have the wonderful Paul Rietzel. Back on the line. Welcome on the back line. to the podcast, sir. Thank you. Excited to be here. Yeah, this is a this is a big this is a big Monday for Magic. There's uh, <laughs> there's a lot to talk about, and it's wait something happened over the weekend. I feel like it's almost like a moratorium period. A little bit. It feels like a pretty sad day. What do you think, Paul? Yeah, you know it's it's uh, there's there's a lot of uncertainty right now. I think is how I would would best characterize it, and. Uh, a lot of people getting off of 10 plus hour flights and, and the news coming in uh, on a staggered basis. So I think that, that people are kind of uh, trying to figure out how to react. It's the first time I can remember as a member of like the Magic Press or like a Magic player that I've seen this many people at a high level with a truly negative reaction to a Wizards decision, like a very decidedly negative reaction. Uh, it's not something I'm used to. It's used to I'm used to a very like polarizing sort of landscape where if something happens, there's a lot of opinions on it. This feels pretty uniform. People are pretty disappointed. Yeah, well, I think that that uh, um, sometimes there's a disconnect between the the um, the uber competitive crowd and and the the people who pursue magic on a more casual level. Um, but I think that the unique uh, sense of unfairness that people are perceiving from uh, kind of broken promises here has, has really caused the uh, the community to coalesce around one one position, which is that um, you know that Hasbro is is basically not paying prizes that they advertise for for tournaments, and that just strikes people as as unjust. So it's, it seems like that is sort of the biggest the biggest issue that's being discussed. Let's just do a quick run over of exactly what happened over the weekend, announcement wise. So we had a we had a star studded top eight. Uh, of a standard pro tour, and I think everybody was pretty excited to see some some huge names, some legends in that top eight. And during that top eight, we got a, a pretty savage announcement, which was that one, the expected modern pro tour slashing that there will no longer be a modern pro tour, uh, and that that was met with I think reasonably just sort of kind of positive, lukewarm responses from people, just because the bannings had been such a, a terrible result of the, uh, the the modern pro tour. But then on top of that. The organized play and, and premier play um, platinum level prize slashings of essentially appearance fees and things like that and the shift towards higher prize payouts for world championships. Um, that would be kind of the summary of it, right? Yeah, that's that's basically it. Um, you know, and, and uh, the, the goal, I guess, um, long term is to have the world championships, you know, really gain sort of mainstream attention and, um, and have some kind of eye-popping... Uh, eye-popping numbers, but yeah, you, you accurately summarize kind of the changes. Because they, they introduced it in a... But there's one very, very, very important detail, which is the one you talked about, which is that the... So if you chase platinum as a pro player, which the estimate is that there's between like 30 and 50 at any given time platinum pros in the world. And you probably know these numbers a bit more accurately than I do, but it's essentially a system where you get on the gravy train, as it's called, where you get a $3,000 appearance fee for each pro tour, $250 for every Grand Prix, um, you... Flight and uh, hotel. Flight and hotel. It makes the what they've discussed as the sustainable nature of being a Magic Pro, the word pro being the focus here, uh, actually possible. And $11,000 a year out of uh, platinum payouts were, were slashed. Is that correct? Yeah, so they they eliminated uh, uh, you know about a little over ninety 
um, percent of the of the platinum um, uh, appearance fee, and they also eliminated three out of the four Pro Tours in terms of the the Hall of Fame appearance fee. So for for platinum pay players, it's it amounts to a pay cut again, as you said, about eleven thousand, um, and then for Hall of Fame players, about forty five hundred. Uh, and for the few people who are Hall of Famers and, and Platinum Pros, it's a, a little bit over a fifteen thousand uh, dollar cut in the expected benefits for for next year. Now that's not as relevant to as many people as it's made out to be because it's so difficult to be a Platinum level Pro. Um, I mean, how many in your career as a Magic player? How many years have you achieved that level of Platinum Pro? Uh, well, I guess I came back in in uh, two thousand nine to playing, and I, I've been Platinum for for most, but not all of the years. So um, I, I don't know the exact numbers, but I can tell you that, that every year that I was not platinum, um, you know, I lost money playing Magic as a hobby. So I, I actually, I was in the, the, the red for the year, far from you know, actually making a living playing. And so that's a whole different conversation that we get into as far as uh, everything from flights to uh, hotels and, and the amount of investment in the game. And, and that's a conversation that people have had for years as far as the EV of Magic being lower than other games. So that's not really the issue here, just because uh, that's like a whole other topic of conversation. How do you make the life of a Magic Pro actually possible? Mm -hmm. um, but what's really at stake here is the fact that Wizards didn't set up this, this slashing of payments for a future season. They did it for this... for, for like they, uh, Everybody who's been chasing since the year started has being told that what they've been chasing is no longer valid. So it's taking money out of people's pockets, essentially working and not getting paid for your work, right? And, and more so than that, they actually raised our hours prior to, to uh, not paying the, the, the promised uh, sums in, in the sense that at the beginning of the season, um, not only did they not announce they would be not honoring platinum benefits for next season, but they actually raised the threshold needed to reach platinum. So they asked, aspiring professionals to um, achieve a very high threshold of, of 50 pro points in a season and then kind of drop the bomb that they would not be paying the, the prizes they promised um, with one pro tour uh, left to go. So now like in a lot of these cases where there's a controversial issue and there's a larger company involved, um, I experience this a lot in press for television and film. If there's a, a difficult issue that I want to deal with, I want to talk about, but it kind of speaks out against say the network that does the TV show or the movie. I kind of have to hold my tongue because I don't obviously want to lose that relationship. I want to be able to get those interviews. But in this situation, it definitely seems like there's a unified front from the players speaking out against Wizards, uh, very clearly saying they're in the wrong, like they're screwing us. Yeah, well, again, well, th th there's there's a couple separate issues, you know, that in, in terms of uh, reallocating prize money or decreasing prize money, um, if they want to shift away from a, a, a platinum player model in the future, I think that um, you know people have written about this, and, and there's a way to, to disagree with that. But but ultimately, I think people realize that that's up to um, Hasbro and Wizards of the Coast, and if they feel like that's the best way to promote uh, their game, then then you know that's something that we're gonna have to live with, and and players will respond to the incentive structure they create. Um, but but what's essentially occurred, and why I think you're seeing such um, consensus and agreement is essentially, you know, players went to a Friday Night Magic where it was a win-a-box tournament, and at the end, the owner just told everyone to get the heck out of his store. Um, and, and, you know, that creates a, a huge feel-bad and, and, and makes people not want to go back to that store for, for future tournaments. And, um, and I think why 
um, you know, people feel uh, kind of justified and okay taking such a, um, a stance that's in direct, you know, contradistinction to that of, of, the, of the corporation that they um, ostensibly work for um, is that uh, if you can't trust them about printed prizes now, why, why would you ever, you know, give them that trust in the future? And how could you ever justify expending time, money, uh, or, or emotional investment in, in, in magic with no um, expectation that they're actually going to fulfill their side of the bargain? Well, it's an interesting parallel between the the modern the experience as a competitive level modern player, right? Because it's the same promise, but in this case, when they talked about we're going to promote the format, we're going to continue to grow it, and it, people did kind of expect those bannings to happen. So when people did lose value on the bannings, at least that was in some way uh, advertised. But mm-hmm. it's kind of a this is like the next level of zero advertisement, same kind of feeling where I've invested time and money into this. It's not even zero advertisement. It's opposite advertisement where they literally said one thing and then did the like and then as soon as it was people had already counted upon that thing yeah. they took it away from them so what's the feeling i i've read i've read a lot of articles today and spoken to a few pros that i know and and that's the feeling seems to be that there will be a reversal they'll retroactively change this policy a little bit to pay out for this season. I mean, that's, that's like the sense I get from people, and that's the pay the pros hashtag that seems to be going around the internet right now. Uh, what's your feeling on that? You know, it's hard to say. I mean, ultimately, because of the, the radio silence that's really been coming uh, on social media from, um, you know, executives at, at Wizards and at Hasbro, it's difficult to kind of know what the thought process was behind the change and, and where they're going to go from here. Um, you know, I, I will say that, uh, you know, look, as the pro magic community, the, the um, the people who have worked really hard to get there and then put themselves in a, s- a situation to financially benefit from it, they do owe something to, to Wizards of the Coast and Hasbro. I mean, they, they, they're supposed to um, promote their products and help sell the booster packs. And, and it's supposed to be a symbiotic relationship between the company and, and the player base. And so if, if, uh, if Hasbro or, or Wizards of the Coast feels as if the pro community has not been living up to its end of the bargain and providing them the, the positive uh, marketing that they need. I, I think that there's a, a, a legitimate open discussion that can be had. And I would certainly be happy to talk to anyone at the company to figure out what pros can do to better um, help promote them. But, but that conversation can't start in good faith until, you know, they affirm, you know, as I mentioned on, on social media, that they will fulfill the promises they made to the players that um, took red eyes and spent a lot of money flying places and, you know, stayed in those dingy days ins and uh, right. where to play in play in tournaments. So that, that's step one. I'm hoping, like you said, that they, 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 they extend that all branch and then we can start the, the conversation of, of um, you know, what pro magic can do to help, uh, to help magic at large. Well, it definitely. So, so this then brings us to the next point, which is that we've obviously seen such a massive, massive expansion in esports over the last two to three years. And some people will hesitate to call Magic an esport just because, obviously, its most well-known version is uh, is Paper Magic. But that doesn't change the fact that it is in fact played online. So, there is you can I I would make the argument Magic is absolutely in the conversation of being an esport. I, I um, realize something. What is chess considered? Uh, is game? it considered a sport? I don't or know. A game. Do you know, Paul? I, I don't know, actually. I, I do enjoy watching it on uh, on YouTube, but I don't, I don't know what it's called. Yeah, that's interesting. Because Magic, I guess, is clarified whatever whatever that ch- a chess tournament or a, a professional chess player would be, or like watching that. That's, and, uh, that's yeah. Sport. But sorry, continue. So, so I guess my question is, I had heard, you know, I had heard that Wizards internally was making 
some changes, and they were trying to sort of. I, in fact, I don't even I haven't even just heard this. I just know from living in LA and working on sort of production development deals and finding out about these esports uh, developments that are going on. I know that there was interest on Wizards' end is getting a bit more involved in esports. Well, not to mention, I mean, like I get like the you can sign up for basically alerts from Hasbro for yeah. Wizards hiring. Like you, that's something you can sign up and for. And the esports, yeah, the head and of like the last six months to nine months every single time has like three different esports job recruitment right jobs that they're looking for so like they're obviously expanding that division so with that in mind this is a particularly strange and puzzling move on their part and that's the part of me that has to feel hopeful in the sense that this feels like it's the short-term play they have the long-term play in mind they'll be announcing it we haven't heard about it yet because otherwise this just feels like i mean every esport just like any physical sport relies on the support of its organizers to maintain legitimacy. And this move is a 180 in the wrong direction, straight up. Like, it's just the other way. So I'm trying to figure out what they're doing because why would they be hiring for esports jobs and promoting the game in that way if they're going to just essentially slash the pro player player base? I, I, have, I have two tinfoil hat theories on this. One of them I got from... Uh, Sperling? Sperling. Yeah, right. um, but uh, the, more based on this one, and maybe they're, they're related. Uh, I do think... Part of the tinfoil is that they have a plan, that like a greater media plan, and maybe this like community league that they're doing that there are detractors of, but the community league they put together is kind of their focus towards maybe making that more of what they're looking for as their marketing base of having community people be more of an outreach and having more of an esports feel to it and changing that up. Right. Um, and maybe the fact that and the other tinfoil, <coughs> the other tinfoil theory is that you know recently and Wizards made this announcement they entered a lawsuit with a group of judges. I saw this, um, yeah. So basically what that is about is, you know, judges feel like they're actually really employees of Wizards, and Wizards is not paying them to be that person. Right. Um, and I don't want to get too deep into what that means and, what, and all that lawsuit is about because I'm not super versed at what's going on. But I do think that it's possible that Wizards hired a employment attorney, someone that specifies yeah. in that, looked at all their 1088s and noticed this giant chunk of pro players all making over $12,000 a year from Wizards that aren't considered employees and but are being called professionals and inform them that this was a risk and that Wizards looking to do A, do this thing where they're trying to do a different esports model than they've been doing for a while, yep. and B, noticing this liability has made a change maybe too quickly. Well, so that would be the short-term play, and then there may be a long-term play. Paul, do you see kind of a long-term play? What do you feel about that? Yeah, I mean... I would love to believe that, although unfortunately there's been a consistent pattern of myopia and uh, uh, and kind of impulsiveness when it comes to some of these, you know, large scale um, OP decisions. You know, you know, going back to even you know Planeswalker points, and and so um, it, it kind of it, it hurts my faith in terms of uh, there being some sort of a bigger plan that's going to result in a bigger pie that we we all get to share. Um, in, in terms of the, the lawsuit component, it, it's certainly a feasible um, theory, although it, it's, it is pure kind of speculation at this point. And, and it just it strikes me that the idea that they would be uh, attempting to head off a lawsuit by, by angering and alienating a bunch of really deeply enfranchised, pretty smart people uh, is, is just, is just a, a uniquely bad way to approach it. And uh, you know, if, if they had had any sort of for, forethought in terms of communication and or mitigation of the, the, the future lost earnings in terms of, a, you know, as people have suggested, inviting more people to worlds and raising the prize pool further 
or you know a one-time severance package, something of that nature, you wouldn't see nearly the outrage. But instead, um, you, you know, it's you know obviously we have the situation we're in now where where it just seems like um, either there is no plan or the plan is is just very poorly thought out. Well, there's also the whole issue that I mean, I guess you have to look at Wizards and look at the game of Magic and ask yourself the question. Who upstairs is making really making these decisions? Like, where is this really coming from? Is there some sort of corporate mentality from Hasbro that's suggesting, okay, this is the bottom line, and deal with it? And then you know, this is they're just told essentially within this game, you have to deal with this, and this is the money that we need to retain. And at that point, you know, I guess these people, these names on Twitter, and these executives, you know, people like Aline, we they have to take the fall. I mean, that's that that is a reasonable expectation just just based on just just basic corporate economy. Um, however, going beyond that and thinking about Magic's place within the games market, I mean, is Magic, how reliant on the pro tour and the pro community is Magic for its sustained health? Or is it the kind of thing where if the pro circuit and the competitive circuit with Magic was dialed back, would it suffer? Would the game suffer as much as we think? Or would it just become a different kind of game? And games like Hearthstone and, and other e- you know, prominent esports that are only online, would those just fill that space? And Magic just separates itself and becomes a game not a competitive game how yeah yeah uh so i guess my my one point then you can go really quick uh is how many other games do you know that are lifestyle games so league of legends maybe even hearthstone where people designate significant chunks of their life that don't have either a competitive scene or a monetary game behind them true sorry you go paul yeah I, i was gonna say that uh um in terms of magic without the Pro Tour and, and what the Pro Tour and, and professional magic kind of provides, I mean, obviously you have people that uh, um, that because they're able to dedicate so much of their time and, and mental energy to magic, um, they, they create this, uh, 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 they, they help kind of foster and create this community of strategy and, and streaming and articles and, and, the, and forum posts and, and all of these things that, um, that get people excited. The Pro Tour itself provides deck lists and a ton of buzz. I mean, we just came off a tournament with a diverse metagame, a brand new standard, seems really healthy, a star-studded top eight. I mean, there was all of this positive energy surrounding Magic that, um, you know, can I, can I directly point to one person who went out and bought a, a booster pack of Shadows of Innistrad because John Finkel made top eight? I can't. But, but do I feel like um, there would generally just be, uh, you know, less excitement, less buzz, less eyeballs, uh, you know, you know, fewer um, dollars spent on the product if there weren't this uh, this competitive scene out there. I'm, I'm sure of that. And, and and ultimately, you know, you have to think about in terms of the scale here. You know, that um, you know, Magic. You know, people have estimated it anywhere between a 350 million and a half a billion dollar enterprise. And you know, we're talking about the amount they just cut from from platinum support is like a couple hundred thousand dollars. So it's just really kind of it's. It's small potatoes in the scheme of the, the, the product line. And, and to cut that specific marketing, is just, it strikes me as a gigantic risk um, that, that, you know, I hope as a, as, a, as a longtime Magic player who, you know, one way or another will end up continuing to play the game, um, doesn't backfire. Well, I, I think the numbers that, that I've heard, and, and there was pretty good logic behind it, is that Wizards is aiming to save around $600,000 without talking about the increase to world's price pool. And when you take that into account, they year one will save $500,000 and then year two save $250,000, which when you compare that to the amount of money that Magic has grown over the last six years of like 300%, and th- these are, I think, I got all these from the John Finkel article, but yep. around 300%, that's, n- that's a 
minuscule, a minuscule amount of money for Wizards. Well, it does shift. It does shift the focus. It puts the onus on private sponsors and people to put money behind this game if they want to grow this. So that's smaller tournament organizers. That's actual private team sponsors. You know, Team Ultra Pro obviously is a that's a more recent development. But we're talking about real, you know, real sponsorships at teams like esports. These larger games, or I should say, more prominent games in the tournament community, do, and you do wonder, is this is this a move on their part to try to to try to encourage that? Because obviously the numbers, as far as people that play the game and love the game, are there. Maybe they just haven't. But I don't I don't really know how this would really do that. I don't. I'm just. But if you look at like Dota (laughs) two, Dota two has a multi million dollar prize payout for number one of their main championship, their their worlds, and there's no way they have the player base of Magic. Or close to it, but nobody has to travel and stay in a days in and fly they halfway do. across I mean, the world. True, true. Yeah, that's true. You can just play from home, which is obviously that's the biggest obstacle. Well, but that's that's a cost for the player, not not necessarily wizards, and that's more of an incentive to play the player more money for yeah. prize payout. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I sort of scratch my head about it. That's <laughs> that's where I sit with it. Uh, any final thoughts from you, Paul? Yeah, you know, I would say this. You know, you've noticed that that you know in social media, I haven't been. Uh, tagging specific people at Hasbro or, or trying to attack them or using um, any ad hominems or anything like that because, you know, like I said, we, we just don't know who's, whose idea this was, who approved it, maybe where the directive came from. So, um, you know, I, I would encourage other people who, who care about um, competitive magic, care about the Pro Tour, and enjoy the, the content and, and watching professional magic players play to, to continue applying, you know, persistent pressure but, but, you know, be polite and be civil and, you know, don't, don't make rushes to judgment in terms of uh, assigning blame. And, and um, you know, obviously at this point we've already seen some, some tangible things happen, including the, you know, the, the postponement of the VSL. You know, you, you don't know what else could, could potentially, you know, be down the line. But I think that, you know, the attitude from me and a few other people is that, you know, let's give, uh, let's give Hasbro a, a few days to kind of uh, um, put together a response and see, see what happens. And, um, and then, you know, we can kind of go from there. So then the last question, and this is one that I think I probably know the answer to, but uh, how do you feel about there not being a modern pro tour anymore? <laughs> I'm, bu- I'm bummed about it. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm bummed. Uh, you know, for me, I, uh, I like variety in Magic. I like all sorts of different formats. I wish that we never played the same format, um, you know, two tournaments in a row. Uh, but, you know, I, I understand why they did it. I, I still, you know, will be playing modern at, uh, at Grand Prix tournaments and, um, you know, it, Ultimately, um, it, it, it uh, it's not a big deal, obviously, as some of the other other changes. But but I certainly I, I enjoyed the modern pro tour. It was always uh, a refreshing change of pace for me. And then, uh, as far as if there are no more changes, as somebody who's sort of admittedly been a spike here, somebody who said to us on this very podcast that you will play whatever format is the format to be played to win. Is there a chance that you would play a different game with a higher EV, or is that honestly just not really on your mind? Oh, there's no chance. I mean, if if uh, if, the, if the changes, if, if for example, they the platinum benefits for next year are not reinstated, you know, I'll I'll be spending more time, you know, watching baseball and hanging out with my uh, my wife and my cats. But I I I'm not, I don't intend to to take up Hearthstone, and any any threat that I made would be would be empty and have no nothing behind it. So um, I love Magic. I will continue to love Magic. The only difference will be. Um, kind of how, how visible I am in terms of promoting the game and, and, and competing events. Fair enough, my friend. Well, thank you so much for talking to us again. We appreciate you stopping by, and uh, best of luck as you move forward as a Magic Pro, and, and obviously if not, then best of luck with your wife and your cats. So, Excellent. Thanks, guys. I appreciate <laughs> it. We'll talk to you soon, man.
Zip. All right. So that was Paul Riesel. He could only be on for 20 minutes because he's traveling back from the uh, Pro Tour. But we, I mean, we're going to keep talking about this. Um, so, yeah, I mean, obviously, being not a Platinum Pro and not even being someone, I, I, I don't think I've ever strived to be someone who could achieve being a Platinum Pro. Just the lack of motivation, just the, that's an option. The, lack that, the fact that you no longer can supplement your income at that like significant a level makes, like, I, I know many people that will just not be motivated in the magic community, and that's a huge, huge hit to the magic community. Well, a couple things. So the first one is, we, you know, we're part of a bunch of Facebook chat groups and Twitter whatevers and conversations, and so this is sort of what happens anytime there's controversy on social media. It's if something negative happens or there's like a cause for people to be negative, it always feels super overblown the first day or two, just because everybody's reacting. So the true, but uh, like compare it. I guess compared to the two things, we had two big announcements: the modern pro tour is gone, right? Which we'll definitely talk about more today. Yep, and the platinum pro and the the prize out changes. Generally, when announcements like this, like when Splinterton was banned, yep. we on Twitter get a double-sided reaction. I normally it's it's normally about fifty-fifty of people being rabble, 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 rabble. This is terrible. Modern's right, dead. Right, right. They're killing modern. And oh, I'm really glad this is. You know, I'm glad Splinter Twin is gone because now I feel like my deck has a better chance of being in the format. And I'm glad to see something new. This is exciting. Yeah, that happened with Splinter Twin. Splinter Twin was pretty negative reaction-wise, um, but it was about you know I would say sixty-forty. Modern, the modern Pro Tour being gone right now, it's about that. I've gotten maybe 60% people being like, you know what, this makes sense. I'm glad that my decks aren't going to be banned anymore. I'm excited to see what this is going to be at GPs, blah, 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 blah. And then, you know, the 40% there is like, oh, how dare they get rid of the modern Pro Tour. Um, right, right, right. Um, but the real the question. The Pro announcement, almost ubiquitously, I've gotten like one person who said, like, oh, we don't need pros. <laughs> Everyone else has been like, and like people like Michael Growth, who like, he he's, he runs our Heidi Ho. Yeah, doesn't have plans on being a pro. Really, yeah, right. But, but like, is furious about this, and it doesn't even personally affect him. It's like, it's well, okay. So we let's let's take you and I for example, because anybody who's listening to this podcast probably knows that our our investment in Magic is as long term players, people who have played competitively at various times, more competitively at others, but largely we're members of the Magic Press because we do a podcast and we interview yeah, pros. Yeah, I'd say we're more community figures than we are professional Magic players. Absolutely. But but nonetheless, I love Magic for another reason now in my life that I didn't used to, which is that I love the community. I love being part of that press community. I love interacting with other podcasters and interviewing players. It's fascinating to me. Hearing, right. the, hearing the history, talking to BDM. We just talked to Paul Rietzel for the second time and your favorite Magic player up until this podcast was Paul Rietzel. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying he's still not, but <laughs> you've yeah, yeah. talked to him twice. No, it's very cool. So for me, it is a huge bummer the idea that these figures and that this community would perhaps shrink or cease to exist in some way based on lack of support by the very game these people have invested so much time and energy in. Sure. And that and like you know how hyped I was that LSV and uh, John Finkel were in the top eight? Like, LSV made top eight twice this year, and John Finkel made his 16th top eight. Like, that... I mean, like, those are two recognizable names that are motivated to be playing this game, partly... I mean, partly because they love it, and I think a lot of pros will continue right. playing it, but part of it is... I was like, I was like, because it was in the middle of the night, and I was, I was like, all right, I'm gonna, you know, go back and watch the full matches as opposed sure. to just the bits and pieces. And then all these announcements started happening, and I got in the middle of all these discussions, and I haven't even, 
not only have I not had the time to sit down and watch the full matches yet, but I'm also just like apathetic towards it. <laughs> I feel so much less excited than I did. Um, and it's just, it just bums me out. So again, it, everything we talked with Paul about is, is true in the sense that we need to give Hasbro some time. In my experience dealing with social media controversy, the best attitude, if you want to be an agent of change, is act respectfully, be positive, don't don't start a witch hunt, don't throw crazy negative things oh. around on Twitter. I think I think the level-headed dis- conversation of, A, it, it, we would probably like for the pros who earned the amount of money that they were promised to, to receive it, and B for you to be a little bit more transparent with what your plans are in this area right. moving forward. Um, and there's time. Though, okay, so, I mean, back to Hasbro more than Wizards, because I do think in this specific situation, this type of decision seems like something that came more from a bigger power that doesn't understand the world it's affecting as much. Right. Which is why I do think, that, and I'm not saying this is what, and if it is this, we'll never find out. We'll never know if this is true. But if, you know, the tinfoil of the lawyer coming in and noticing that there's an entire other job area that you have gray areas legally with, like, that's a Hasbro decision, being like, I don't care what your community thinks, you have to get rid of this now. Uh, the new CEO coming in could also, and I'm not saying it's his fault he just came in, but, like, the, you know, there's a lot of things moving around, so Hasbro right, might be looking right. at magic more specifically than they normally would be, and all of these happening all at the same time definitely seems very coincidental. Absolutely. And, and and so it is one of those things where we have to just let it breathe. So let's shift gears for a second here because we've talked at length now about the, the, pre, the premiere play. Modern Pro Tours? Yeah, let's talk about Modern Pro Tours. Let's get, let's get uh, so, Tom so, Lapilli on the line. So before, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, before, I mean, before we delve too deep into it, here's my first, because like, I, I think it's a general positive thing, but I will say, and maybe this had to do with the time zone, because I will say that like watching this specific Pro Tour was very difficult because it's in a 12-hour different situation that yep. I'm just not awake for. But, you know, the, the beginning of each day started at midnight. <laughs> yeah, right. But I am so much less motivated to watch a non-modern Pro Tour. A- and from that perspective, I'm obviously a modern podcast. Like, I know nothing about Standard now because I've... My life has been busy enough that the only format I can really keep up with is modern. I'm exactly the same way. I have memories of watching multiple standard pro tours over the last five years, almost in their entirety, like really almost focusing years, yeah. and watching matches. And I can't think of one in the last two years that I've watched that wasn't modern. And I always looked forward to the modern coverage. The funny thing is, even modern Grand Prix, like I've, I've made this very, very clear on here. I treat modern Grand Prix and any modern major tournament that has coverage as like, it's like Christmas for me. <laughs> like, uh, I, I literally, I'll, I'll watch like usually bits and pieces of one or two matches while they're on, just because like it's hard to block the whole time out. But I will always go back in the week following the Grand Prix, and at night I'll spend an hour each night, sometimes even more, watching full matches, just because like I find it fascinating and I want to make sure that I get all of that information and I really absorb all of it. So for me, the most exciting one was the Pro Tour, always, and. It's just a bummer to know that the highest... Well, it's not the highest level because we will get the World Magic Cup and Worlds and, and Modern will be played there. But I, this is the other thing. Okay, everybody knows that the Pro Tour is the place to promote the newest cards. So that's the point. The Pro sure. Tour is the marketing budget. Which is why it makes sense that it's a standard event. Y- yes. Okay, Logically. That's so that is fine. However, if if the Pro Tour is like sold to us. I mean, we know that that's the marketing budget because we know Magic and we've covered it for a long time. But to any 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 spectator who's just getting into it and just likes to watch Magic, Pro Tour 
Yeah, that's synonymous with every single other major sports pro circuit. That's where people go to play for the highest amount of money. So sure. it's not fair to say we're going to move all of this money into the world championship and we're going to make this super top-heavy tournament even more top-heavy for the top 24 players and then we're going to take away... But only X amount of people can play it. The world championship is not easy to get into. No, it's and extremely and difficult. And so what I don't understand is that how can you still justify playing modern in the World Magic Cup and in Worlds if... If the point is this is not a format that's suitable for the highest level play because we can't keep it diverse unless we ban cards. Like I'd almost, I'd almost rather instead of them making the top at world so top heavy, just everyone that goes to the world basically gets a professional. You're paid for the year check. <laughs> and and to some degree I, they they are because I think down to the bottom the the the, tw- the 2017 five hundred thousand dollar pot like the twenty fourth place still gets like something. It's not sure, a lot. Sure, sure, it's sure. Like a couple thousand dollars or something. But I mean you still, you're just making it, you get like a decent amount of money. Right. Um, but the point is I don't understand. That, that doesn't make sense to me, that you could actually justify how can we still highlight this tournament at the highest level, though this format won't be diverse unless we're banning cards. Well, it's also, it, the, the argument was, I'm doing, we're back to the platinum thing, but like, why, that number isn't even that high. 500,000, I think it's not even five, it's 250,000 for first place is not a high prize pool. In the grand scheme of well, okay, okay, but so to that end, I let's 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 be sympathetic to the fact that if even if Wizards has always been a bit myopic in their view of this game, and and that's just like a quote. Prize pool for GP and Pro Tours hasn't changed in ten years. So agreed, agreed, agreed. But I'm, what I'm trying to say is that five hundred thousand dollars is a lot more than two hundred fifty thousand dollars. It's that's not a that's not a minimal increase. And I realize that if money is coming from the platinum level pros, it doesn't seem as impressive. But it is no, 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 no. It's not going up to five hundred thousand. It is for twenty seventeen. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, there it's, going so th- it's going to three fifty for year one, and yeah, then yeah, yeah, yeah five hundred yeah. for year for year two. Which I'm just saying, as somebody who's like, I get it. I understand this is going to be a slow moving process if we are going to cultivate change in this in this game in the circuit. That's a that's a large increase with a two year increase of, of doubling the money in the in the top prize. It's something when somebody says, "Oh, you play Magic. What's the top prize?" Well, if you win Worlds, you win. $250,000 or whatever the top prize is in that $500,000 pool. It's not in front of me right now, but that, that matters. Now, to make it competitive with the other highest highest of the high esports, it's nothing. And with the amount sure. of money that Hasbro makes... Not even esports. Like, non-casual competitive activities. Game, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, with... Poker, even chess, I think, has a pretty high... Yeah, with how much money the game makes in retail, it still blows my mind and strikes me as odd. That there wouldn't just be investment in okay, let's make let's make Moto awesome. Let's make it look clean. Let's make it look like the 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 model is there. There's the there's like the mod that exists for one of the duels of the planeswalkers where you can upload all the cards and it looks amazing. Like it it would be expensive, don't get me wrong, I understand that. It would definitely be a cost. But if you if you make that look on the same level as some of the other games out there, and then you just are like, okay, we're just gonna cultivate this as a top level sport. Like we're just gonna put the money behind it. We're going to invest in that. It would be that. It, it just would. You would have more high-profile people. You would have more coverage. It would be sexier. It would be bigger. It's just that's what would happen. And it's proven because all these other games are doing it. And I don't think those other games are just bigger because the coverage numbers are bigger because they're more exciting to watch. I don't really believe that. I think Magic has survived for as long as it has and has been as popular for as long as it has because people sure. really love it and are devoted to it. And if it gets more expensive and it's so that's to me what I believe the solution is, but I'm also can't put my money where the mouth is because I'm not an executive who can throw millions of dollars into the game. I mean, here's here's 
this is another classic. I mean, this the last couple big announcements from Wizards have been really weirdly abusive. Like it's it's the stick with no carrot. Like when Splinterton was banned, we were like, oh, I mean, a Splinterton ban would have been fine if they had unbanned Sword of the Meek then. Right, because then we'd be like, oh, or Serum Visions then, because like little did we know it didn't matter because Eldrazi was the best deck ever anyway. Right, it, w- it wouldn't <laughs> have mattered, but like at least then it's like, here's a carrot, here's some two cool cards that you want get to play. with. Right. we're gonna take this one card away from you, and the world would have been like, yeah, okay. But instead we were just like, oh, my deck's gone. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, and there's another one where it's like, hopefully, and this is me having faith in Wizards, they have a plan. That's me too, and uh, I and I, think and I, and I believe plan, they do. I think they have a plan for digital. I think they have a plan for Moto. I think they have a plan like they run on seven-year goals. They're a, mar- a very successful large company. They have plans to do something with these resources they have, but they decided to announce the bad thing first. <laughs> yep, um, and in a way that there's a lot of logical flaws to it, and they're telling it to pr- some of the smartest people on the planet. I mean, like you can't be dumb and be a magic pro. Absolutely not. Those are literally, you, it's not physically possible. <laughs> this is a game for someone who is intelligent. Yeah, the so smarter you are, the better you you're are. telling people that like know the statistics between, and this is another John Fiegel quote, but know the statistics between how much they're going to draw lands between 24 and 25 lands in their deck. Yep. And you're asking them to not notice that you're giving them a dollars to $250,000 while taking $600,000 away from them. I mean, yeah, th- so, th- so the real... And, we, with, we, and with Modern, we talked about this. The pro tour, you mean? Yeah, like it, yeah, it, we it, talked about it at length. The first, the first thing to do, guys, if you if you really are interested in that conversation, as far as modern pro tours, there's two episodes of the show you should listen to. Two really important ones. The first one is the problem with modern pro tours, and that's the Tom Lapilli episode from quite a while ago, uh, probably almost a year ago, I would guess. Right. And uh, he talks. It's on YouTube. It's on YouTube. Yeah. It's on YouTube. It's also on Rocket Jump, and you. He talks at length about what why modern pro tours exist why they tried to cancel them in the first place and what the problem with them are and that's a great episode and then after that when the splinter twin banning happened that's another episode where we really talk pretty at length about this is gonna keep happening this is why this happened and this is the future of it and there's some ideas that kess and i have kicked around a little bit about uh, kind of like a super modern convention i I, I, first off i think jeep in general, Magic needs to make GPs more like conventions. And it seems like they're working towards they're that? We're definitely working. T- I mean, there's all the artists there, and there's all this other stuff. Like, they're definitely working towards that. And yep. I'm not, and I have faith that that will continue. Um, like, especially with, you know, the, the three GP with the escape rooms. Like, there's a lot of cool right. stuff going into those now. But with that, I think that there is room for more professional-level play tournaments. And if you're taking away the modern Pro Tour, and because the Pro Tour is about, you know, showcasing the most recent set, that's why they're named after the most recent set, it's Pro Tour, Shadows of Innistrad, then come out with a super GP that's like a giant where like, you know, all pros get day two automatically, but it's a three-day event, or come out with just general, a big modern tournament of some variety. And, and, and honestly, you, you can apply this now with the Premier Play changes. You can apply this logic to all formats. It's not sure. just modern anymore because if, if they're slashing the rewards, at that point it becomes a situation where like we talked about private sponsors and momentum from people outside of Wizards to make this game at a competitive level survive and flourish. They need to happen. Well, this And I was actually thinking about this. It'd be really interesting. if and, and it doesn't even have to come from Wizards, though Wizards would be the easiest one. So like in tennis, which I actually compare Magic's pro scene to tennis more than anything else. Because um, it's all about in golf, both of them have very similar right. like uh, tournament structures, and you play at individual tournaments versus a league. Um, but you know both both of those sports, and specifically tennis, has four major tournaments. There's a bunch of tennis tournaments all year, but there's Wimbledon, uh, 
The US British, Open. The British Open. No, Paris. No, Paris and Australia. I'm mixing up golf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's golf. Yeah. Tennis, it's it's uh Paris, US Open, Australian Wimbledon, Open. and Australian Open. Yeah. Um French Open, sorry. Uh and those are the four. And like there's only like th- four players that have ever won all four. Yeah. And there's only been like two that have done all four in a year. Um and that's the games. Those are the ones you watch. That's why people watch Wimbledon. That's why people watch the US Open. Yeah. Um having companies like Star City have their modern open and then have or legacy open because Star City game has a lot of legacy clout and having another company do a modern open and then having these four big and have them work together. These are the four big tournaments of the year for these formats. Right. Separate from the pro tour, which is wizards professional play league showcasing deck construction and, and new formats. You have these that are more about, these are the established formats of the year. Well, you and I also had a conversation. I got really excited that one night and called you just ranting about how I wanted to like somehow try to spearhead the largest magic tournament that's ever happened. And I was so excited about this because yeah. <laughs> I, it lasted all of two hours of me ranting at you before you were like, no, 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 this is people have tried. They've talked about this. The logistics don't add up. But uh, I, I do think, I do think that that's a thing. Like it's, it's hard to justify them doing that with magic when there are so many other competitive esports and games and activities that are so big and are proving to have higher coverage numbers because the investment and time is there. So, right, but magic doesn't make money on coverage. I mean, it should, it could, but magic's intent is to encourage play. Right. So it's we, what we really want is like we want like a Mortal Kombat for each of the formats yeah, where you uh, like travel on a standard, ship to an island. And what can even like motivate on moto? This could be a moto thing. Right. Um, where it is one modern, one vintage, because moto's don't play, you do vintage, one legacy, one standard. That's four constructed tournaments, all on moto, so you can live stream it easily. I think this is a possible thing. We could do that, actually. That costs us nothing. We have to come up with prize money, so we have to find a sponsor to prize it, and then we have to like organize it. But for, you're talking about for us to essentially be the people hosting this giant modern super league tournament. Yeah, just as long as it's on moto, we don't have to do anything. <laughs> we have to do stuff, but we don't have to like have a rental hall and have people show up. That's so much cooler though, and so much better because it's so much more communal. Sure, which is definitely Magic's advantage. Um, but yeah, I mean that's that is the next discussion as far as like who who gets involved as a private sponsor. Um, I think it probably will happen. I would be. Th- well, I do know that there are some limitations of sponsorship, but I realized what they were because someone on Twitter was mentioning this. Yeah, you're not allowed to be sponsored or even have sleeves that advertise other games. Mm. Um, I don't think that's a big limitation, but it is something to keep in mind that there is like some Hearthstone type of sponsors you magic. Like you couldn't use Hearthstone <laughs> sleeves. Hearthstone. Hearthstone. <laughs> you couldn't use heart. <laughs> Stone <laughs> sleeves, but Hearthstone. <laughs> well, that okay. Uh, no, that would never happen. Um, I, I, so let's let's wrap it up because I think our our thoughts were just sort of running in circles with it. But I think ba- basically the idea it's is really this. important. You listen to those other two episodes on modern. Uh, I do think this is good for the format. There is an issue with you know they forced rotation in the modern is something the format shouldn't have. This will allow decks and formats to kind of solve themselves better. Um, the response to the Eldrazi Winter is probably the better response to banning policies where, oh, this deck is a problem, or it's breaking right. the rules. Those bannings um, needed to happen. And, and, and I do think Treasure that Cruise needed moving to forward, because the RPTQ system is still going to be modern for summer. There's still a modern season for PTQs. Yep. And with that in mind, the ban list should happen before that season. Right. Because that's the season people are being now forced to play the game, so that should be where it is at, at its most healthy. 
Yeah, I agree. I, I think I think going forward, you basically have a couple options. You have number one, Wizards has a long game plan. We're going to see it revealed. It'll come up in the next six months. They'll announce something that matters, and uh, it, it will change the game. And and uh, option number two is that they don't, and that they're taking. They're they're cutting their losses. They're hedging their bets. They're trying to separate themselves from the kind of game and the kind of promotion and the kind of system that we've had in the past. And it's going to just be a huge blow to the community. And we're just going to have to just deal with it. And some they will lose players, sure. or that'll happen. The, I mean, the the post to this point part of the conversation where we talk about something that's not magic will just become the whole podcast. Yeah, and cry a little inside. <laughs> I can't believe that that would happen. My gut feeling tells me there is a plan. Something will change, and even if that something changing is there being more of an onus on this private tournament organization and sponsorships that keep the game healthy and, in fact, almost grow the game at a competitive level, that may be what well happens. Um, we will see. I'm. I will be there for it. I can't wait to cover it. And uh, yeah. obviously, there's still some really exciting stuff coming up. We have GPLA in like a few weeks. Yeah, yeah. I'm super hyped. Yeah. I, I mean, that's something that's also interesting to keep an eye out and I, one of the reasons i think they should have waited to announce the modern pro tours going away for a while because it wouldn't have been relevant i guess it's because it's right before the ptq season that feeds into there but if they had waited until they announced gps for the next year they could have also been the pro tour is gone but there is four extra modern gps this year or some like increase on that side so right that there's like once again a carrot with the stick yeah, because for them to run I don't even like carrots for them, for them to run modern GPs like an increase in modern GPs, that's fine. That's not yeah. something they don't want to do. Tournament like uh, tournament attendance is great for Wizards, no matter what sure. the format is, because it's the tournament organizer that's making money. The only time I guess that Wizards is making money for tur- for tournament events is if it's limited, if it's sealed. No, or, I don't think that's completely true. I don't know exactly what the finances are behind it, but I know I'm that just saying in terms in terms of, of a high in terms of a high return. Sure, you know, at a, a five thousand person limited GP. Wizards makes a pretty good amount of money on that sure, sure. because they sell a huge amount of cards. Um, but that's not the, that's not the point for them. They, I mean, making money obviously as a game is the point, but for them to run more modern GPs is fine. Right. Um, so anyway, at the end of the day, that's the thought. Um, oh, so follow us on Twitter. We didn't even bring that up in the beginning. We saved it to the end. Oh at yeah. The MMCast uh, is the Twitter for the podcast. I'm at Cast Wiley. You guys can find me at Ben Bateman Media on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, make sure to follow uh, us on Twitch. Right now we're at Xander Five Seven Four. Ben might convince me to change <laughs> it to the MMCast. To start at MMCast. So many pe- momentum. Uh, make sure to check us on YouTube. We're once again trying to upload videos consistently, and we will do it. Yep. And uh, uh, also we have a sister podcast, and they're called the Command Zone. They're on RocketJump.com. You can find them. Some zones. You can find them at Command Cast. The Command Cast. That's on. That's Jimmy Long, Jimmy Wong, and Josh Lee Kwai. They're our buddies. They do all Commander content. Super cool. Let's giveaways. They're very funny and popular and fun. So you guys should check them out. And then the last but not least, second to last, we have a Patreon. We do have a Patreon. And uh, there's very cool things happening, percolating behind these walls in regards to our Patreon. We're in our third month of Swagbox giveaways, which is an option where if you pay $50, you get something mailed to you that is personalized. That's an MMCast so, so item. So the third month will most likely be outfit-based. I'm going to say right now. Yes. You're going to be able to swag it up in the swag box. So we're just finalizing the details on that now. Several of you have probably gotten your items. Several of you who are international are waiting for your items. And the month two items should be mailed out as of tomorrow morning. So uh, expect that. Uh, some of the other levels are listed. Find us at patreon.com slash the MMcast. Uh, the point of this, obviously, is to generate income so that we can so make like more content. next month we will be doing live audio and live video live video sure. streaming yeah and we might be doing it the whole month we were we're debating on how comfortable that is yeah we're basically there's there's a certain 
there are there are uh, cost restrictions for us to do certain things just because we, we want to move quickly but uh, obviously we can only move at the speed that we have the funds to do and, and hiring people to help and all that so but right. we, we are working on it and we have a lot of excitement for this so expect to see some pretty cool stuff coming up in the very near future uh, and check out that Patreon if you want to see some of the other benefits several of you have paid $10 and you have you have the right to send us an audio message to play on the podcast only one person had and I can't believe it yeah yeah you guys get to send us audio messages and we'll play them you can say anything with reason we have veto power but like we do deck techs you also could sing a song yeah you we, could you could you could read a poem we do we do fan deck techs if you guys uh, are patreon subscribers you can send in your deck list and we'll tech them on the podcast yeah. um so yeah that's so, the thing so we've been trying to do and this will be a short one because we're running out of time uh and it's kind of more of a shout out but i made a game and the nerds picked it up so yep. it's, it's game of thrones werewolf so for those who don't know what Werewolf is, Werewolf is a uh, social um, guessing game where every single person is given a secret identity and, you're, and one of them is trying to kill everyone. It's also called Mafia. Yeah. And the other people are trying to figure out who that person is. Um, I made one that's about Game of Thrones. And it's sweet. Game of Thrones season. And Nerdist, yeah, but they picked it up. They advertised it for you. They did a whole thing because they thought it was so cool. Yeah. It's good. Uh, there'll be a link. It's, uh, you can find it at cast.co slash GOT. What is cast.co? It's my, it's, it's my website. I have a website. Oh, cool. It's called Kess.co. Oh, sweet. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's about my, it's the toy company I'm starting. Oh, you're starting a toy company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. So this is like the first, my first like foray into announcing things about that. I, I, I knew he was launching a toy company. I was just acting surprised because yeah, I didn't know yeah. if I could talk about it yet. Uh, You can talk about it. Yeah. It's happening. Well, let's save, let's, let's, because you have some cool stuff going on this next week with it. So let's sure. record next week's pod. Well, next next week we'll we'll do a whole section of Game of Thronesiness, and it'll include maybe that game. So check out the game; it's fun. It's free. You can just download it and cut it out. That's something I should tell you. Yep, it's literally a PDF. You print it out. I'll probably change edits to it every once in a while. So it's sweet. Yeah, super cool. Yeah, thanks guys that- for uh, listening to this episode. We will see y'all next week, and we owe you a bonus episode, so probably you'll be getting the lore episode coming up real soon. Oh, I think I'm recording it this week. Oh, really? Yeah. Am I not invited? You're invited. Okay. <laughs> uh, depending on your schedule. <laughs> I, hope to, I hope to be there. Okay. Okay. Great. Bye, guys. Bye, guys.